this new way that I'm seeing is like the next evolution is merging the worlds of wellness and personal care, wellness and beauty, and making it a really health focused approach to beauty and, and, and having skin health be part of the conversation. That to me is what's so exciting about beauty is that you can really change culture. You can change conversation. It goes beyond just beauty. Hello, welcome to Active Ingredient, a podcast all about personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'm a deeply curious person who's on a mission to help us all come home to ourselves, to truly come alive and to live lives that we genuinely love. I'm also the founder of Nude Nation, a brand building and PR agency that exists to help mission-driven brands and founders get clear on their why and spread their truth far and wide across media, podcasts, speaking engagements, and so much more. I started this podcast because I was so desperate to find my purpose. I wanted to interview people who I felt figured it out because honestly, I wanted that for myself too. And what I've learned along the way is that the answers are all internal, every single one of them. We find them in the silence. Validation is fleeting if you don't validate yourself first. And the more we nurture the relationship with ourselves and learn to listen to the deep voice inside and actually act from that place, the more the external starts to reflect the internal alignment. I believe that the more we can integrate ourselves holistically, the more whole we'll feel, which is why this podcast is a mix of my greatest loves, personal and professional growth. You can expect conversations that range from how to deal with imposter syndrome or how to build your confidence, as well as tips and tools on how to get your message out there in the world. My biggest wish for you is that you prioritize your joy, see yourself first, and that you come alive every single day. Welcome to Active Ingredient. I am so glad you're here. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. This week, we have an extremely interesting topic on the show that I have actually never covered in the three years of doing the show. And that is the skin microbiome and the role that it plays in our overall health. We have Monique Manessas, who is the founder of this amazing and new body care brand that currently offers body washes and a body serum that is next level. And they're truly disrupting the space. The brand is called IOTA. And it's rooted in protecting and nourishing our skin microbiome. And in case you're wondering what the skin microbiome is, because if I'm being completely honest, I did not know what that was. And I feel like I'm pretty like well-versed in wellness. Think of it like a collection of ecosystems that are the home to trillions of microorganisms that live on your skin. You obviously can't see them because they're microorganisms, but they're essential for not only our skin health, protecting it and nourishing it, but our overall comprehensive health. So the skin is the human body's largest organ, and it serves as our first line of defense against temperature fluctuations, damaging UV rays, and environmental toxins. And like as someone who splits time between New York and Miami, that's very, very important to me. And for some reason, it's not something that we prioritize the same way that we do for what we put on our face or what we put in our bodies or you know, what we put in our homes for some reason, like, I feel like we kind of just skipped over the whole body conversation, but like every day we're putting things on our body, which is literally our skin is our largest organ. So I find it weird that we know we've just all collectively been overseeing it. Our skin microbiome is literally what helps prevent infection. And it's packed with nerves that keep the brain in touch with the outside world. So when there's a disturbance in the skin microbiome, there could be implications like allergies, psoriasis, 
eczema, food allergies, acne, skin aging. And this isn't to like scare, you know, but I just think that it's something that's important for us to know that there could be like, that's, that's definitely something that we should all be, you know, paying attention to because how can we ignore literally the biggest organ that we all have? Monique has spent her entire career working in the beauty space and has done everything from working in beauty editorial to helping grow brands like Peach and Lily and Gizu. In the episode, we get into the health scare that started her skin microbiome journey, her whole reason for creating this brand and product, the importance of protecting and nourishing your skin, and why your overall skin should be considered just as you consider healthy food choices or clean face products. I have personally been testing the product for two months and I'm a thousand percent converted. It is so incredible and the lather is delicious and it just makes me feel like I'm doing something really good for myself. I've had to replenish my bottle twice already and my favorite scent is the Mandarin Rind and Cedar Atlas. This episode, by the way, is not sponsored by IOTA in any way. I just really love this product. I love what they stand for. I love their education around our skin microbiome, a topic that I don't think that we talk about enough or at all. And I would love to have conversations like this on the show. And just, you know, I feel like you guys that listen to Active Ingredient, like you, you care about what you consume, you know, from like what you consume on social media to what you consume in your body. And what we put on our body is just as important. So I know that this is probably going to be interesting to you, but I would love to hear from you. And IOTA is giving all Active Ingredient listeners 15% off your first order when you use code ACTIVE at checkout, if you guys want to check out the product yourself. And either way, I just think it's important to, you know, just learn about these things and look at what you're putting on your whole self, not just on your face. So yeah, so they're giving um, all Active Ingredient listeners 15% off. Again, this is not sponsored. This is just something that I I feel like it's important and I want us to all know about this. So I'm buying it for my mom and for my aunt um, who struggles with some skin issues. My mom doesn't really. She just is like literally like the best. <laughs> she loves all things like beauty innovation. But my aunt does, she does have some skin stuff. So I'm buying it for both of them. So if you guys want to check it out, it's code active for 15% off. And with that... Monique, welcome to the show. Monique, welcome to the show. I'm so excited because obviously, like, I know some of your story, but I want to hear from the beginning what little Monique was like. And then I want to get into all things beauty, skincare, skin microbiome. But like, let's take it back. Where were you born and raised? I actually don't even know. So I was born in Houston. I lived there for seven years and then I moved to Seoul, Seoul, Korea. It's where my mom's from. Lived there for three years. And then um, middle school and high school, I spent in Manila in the Philippines. So really a child of the world. And then I came back to the States for college and then moved straight to New York because I knew I wanted to get into editorial and magazines. How did you know that? So my dad is in town. I haven't seen him since since COVID. So it's been a few years. He lives in the Philippines. I was asking him just the other day, like what I was like as a child. And the first word he said was imaginative. Like I always had a wild imagination. I was an only child. So a lot of times when we were on vacation or whether we were moving from one country to another, I'd have a couple of hours where it was just me while my parents were unpacking boxes and getting the home sorted. He was telling me that I would just spend hours in my own little world concocting my own imaginary play. 
And I, I definitely remember this one time we moved to Korea from, from Houston, and it was just eight hours straight of me creating a whole carnival for them, including tickets and little kiosks <laughs> where they could do uh, quote unquote rides, whatever that meant at the time. But yeah, just speaking to him recently just brought back a flood of memories. And it was just You're really so cute. I mean, I see that in you still today. I feel Aww. like we're going to get to the brand and like everything about IOTA World. But it, that connects to me. Like it feels like it resonates. Yeah. Always had a wild imagination. <laughs> but I'm curious, how did you land on New York? Like, how do you visited or how, how did you know you wanted to move here? So in college, I majored in international relations and English. And one of the classes that I, that really stuck with me was one in journalism. And I have always had, I think, a passion for storytelling. I think even from the imaginative play from my childhood, mm -hmm. that's always been something that, that I've loved and, and reading books. And I think when I took that class, it really was my first foray into the world of journalism and storytelling and really getting to the heart of a good story and bringing it to light. And if I found a good angle, there was one project I had in college where the ask was to go to choose a random street in Rhode Island that was close to campus. And I had to find a story. And so the second place I visited on that random street was a chicken coop. And I just immersed myself, asked the owner of the chicken coop to see if there was a story behind this. And it was a farm, like a community farm that, you know, provided chickens and eggs to like the local community. And I was able to get a feature in the Rhode Island Times wow. based off of a random like wandering into a chicken coop. So that's where I knew that journalism was going to be sort of where my first job was. I started interning. I had no connections in editorial. I think things have changed. And now. in New York in general, in New York. I feel like that's something that people tend to gloss over when doing the podcast. And I'm like, wait a minute, literally, you did not know a soul now. And we're going to tie it back up to how you launched this, which is very network heavy. How the hell did you go about that? Again, like I knew no one in New York at that time. I really felt like you needed connections in the editorial world to even get like a fashion internship, a beauty internship. Still, Still to this day, I feel like though it, they've opened it up a little bit. Yeah. Back in the day, I mean, this is what we're talking about. A vault. Like, it, was a <laughs> it was a vault. And how am I coming from the Philippines, like spending four years in college in the States ever going to get this internship? So what I did, I mean, I had to hustle and try and be scrappy. I basically went to the magazine store and bought every single women's magazine on the rack. And I went through the entire masthead. I tried different combinations of what the email address could be, basically something hearst.com, something condenast.com, meredith.com. And I literally blasted every single fashion assistant, editorial assistant, beauty assistant that was on the masthead. How did you know to do that? Honestly, it just came to me. I Resourceful. Resourceful, I guess. Were you always scrappy? Were you always resourceful? Even like when working in PR agencies, like with people, and it's like, you either are or you aren't. Like there's some people that like you can try to train a little bit on being resourceful, but it's like, to me, it's an innate quality. Like you're either someone who's resourceful and scrappy and can like get it done no matter what. Right. Or you can try, but you're never going to go as far as someone who innately does that. I don't know if it was innate uh, growing up, especially in Asia, but I think that when I came to the States, 
college my first year, it was a little bit of a culture shock. I hadn't lived in the States for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, most of my life was growing up in Asia. So I think, honestly, freshman year, day one, I was like, I there were so many things I didn't know. <laughs> so many things that I had to have my roommates help me with. But the hustling started the first day of freshman year. And I just realized I was not that I was alone, alone. I mean, I had a great community of friends, but if I wanted to get to where I wanted to be, and at that time, you know, I thought I wanted to get into journalism, like I had to figure it out on my own, on my own terms. So you're out there just looking at magazines, reaching out to all these people. And I get, and I get a hit. And I, it's uh, with a fashion assistant at Condé Nast Traveler. And she, honestly, I credit her. Her name is Lauren Goodman. She helped me land my first job. And, you know, going back to your question about like networking and relationship building, that was one thing I learned very, very early on. You know, she, it was my sophomore year. She trusted me with basically zero experience except my journalism class in college to give me this fashion internship. And she is someone I kept in touch with. I'm curious within the jump from fashion to beauty, what did you witness within the space? I'm curious as to your take on beauty as it pertains to actually making changes in the world and what you witnessed in those 10 years of of being in beauty. I really think that we've seen such a renaissance in beauty when it comes to breaking through stereotypes and norms and just really pushing the conversation forward culturally, right? I, I remember back to when I was first interning or even my first job. I'm half Korean, half Filipina. I don't ever think that I saw myself like fully, fully represented in, in the beauty space, whether it came to models that brands were choosing to bring their vision to life. Influencers weren't even a thing back then. But I think that beauty has given communities that were underrepresented a platform has really given a voice to these communities in a way that was never really seen before. And that's what's been so exciting. And like you were saying, there's constant change, constant evolution. I think, you know, when I started out, it was it was before clean, quote unquote, whatever that means. I know it's such it's a term that's so loosely thrown around and everyone has a different, different, different Mm -hmm. definition of what it means. But the clean movement wasn't even a thing. And so to have gone from like clean not being defined to then a wave of clean beauty. And now, especially with IOTA, this new wave that I'm seeing is like the next evolution is merging the worlds of wellness and personal care, wellness and beauty, and making it a really health-focused approach to beauty and, and, and having skin health be part of the conversation. That to me is what's so exciting about beauty is that you can really change culture. You can change conversation. It goes beyond just beauty. Yeah, it's really cool because I feel like beauty, fashion, a lot of times like the perception, if you're like not in the industry is like, oh, that's so vain. It's like something that's like a a nice add on superficial. Thank you. When you see the comments on things like that, when you're actually serving a community in a very like specific way, you're providing something that has people feeling seen and heard the impact that that has. Sure, the product is great and it's now part of their day to day. But what it does on a deeper level with groups of people is that's the part to me that I think is the coolest. I agree. And it's not only that the cultural aspect of it, but, but we're really aiming to help people that have sensitive skin, eczema, psoriasis. I mean, I grew up with eczema. It's gone away since my childhood, but I've always had super sensitive skin and I have keratosis pilaris. So 
even tapping into those communities of people who have never even heard about the skin microbiome or what that means or anything related to that is also very exciting to see because that's so true. we're, We're talking to them in a different way. Okay, well, I want to get into this. So you kind of touched a little bit on your journey on conceiving. What was going on during that time? I know you said that you did IVF, but I want to understand from the lens of having been in beauty and like seeing the clean movement, I want to know from your perspective, like were you thinking like when you started out, you wanted to do this whole thing clean and holistically, doing it from like a really like herbal way, I guess? Mm -hmm. What was the journey like? I did. You know, I wanted to, I I tried just acupuncture and medicinal herbs for a while. That wasn't working. Everyone was telling me like, you're just so stressed out. You just need to de-stress. I'm like, I'm getting more stressed listening to you say that, but thank you for the advice. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I ultimately had to rely on science, right? And it was a combination of both. I think that really the, the hormone medication, in addition to the acupuncture and the medicinal herbs I was taking was what ultimately helped me get pregnant. And so who's your acupuncturist? There's a fertility clinic on on near 32nd Street. Oh, okay, cool. So the <laughs> right. acupuncture was like with that in mind? Yes, with specifically focused for fertility. So I was going to that like twice a week and then the hormone medication. I mean, it was, it was a wild ride. But then in my second trimester, I just had sharp shooting pains in my stomach and I went to my gynecologist and she was like, there's something like not right about this. She sent me to the can- Memorial Sloan Kettering. I mean, it was, they oh found God. a tumor that was the size of a tennis ball on the edge of my pancreas. Discussions were had. I mean, I just, not to be melodramatic, but I mean, I did have a discussion with my husband at one point where I was like, had the baby or me. I mean, it just, it was just an insane amount of emotion and the doctors were able to say with 95% certainty that it was benign, but that ultimately we wouldn't know until I delivered. So, you know, I took the chance, 95%, right? How did you like mentally, spiritually go through that? That is a good question. I mean, I think about it now and I feel very panicked thinking about my state back then, but I had to just be calm. My husband was telling me he, he he expected me to be way more out of sorts, but the fact that I was able to remain calm through it, I mean, you just have to. I think your body, my body kicked into overdrive where it just was fight or flight. And I guess this was fight for me. And I knew that any sort of agitation I had or just intense roller coaster of feelings like that, my baby would be feeling that. So I just had to be a mom and try and... <laughs> try and figure it out. And it's, it's day by day. And that's how I take this business as well. You know, it's, it's, this is my second baby and, and it's the same thing. It's a labor of love and, and literally <laughs> and you crying makes me like, I'm such, I've become a secondhand crier hand. And like, after being a mom, like total weeper, the smaller, the smallest. Thing I'm not even a mom yet. So I can't even imagine no. I'm such a weeper, <laughs> like literally like I, in commercials, public gets oh, me same. every freaking time. Same. So in this time, which clearly is high stress, but you're able to like have it together. I know that in this period is when you started to really look at your everything, at your skincare, at your makeup, everything that you were putting in and on your body, because clearly your body was sending signals that like something was going on. Talk to me about that. After delivering, then I had to go back into surgery like a month later for, you know, my, my stomach will never be the same. It's totally scarred. And then I was diagnosed with high blood pressure for reasons unknown. I really think it has to do with pregnancy. But it just got me thinking about all of the habits that I had 
been, you know, for years, whether it was like the detergent I was using or, you know, I was cognizant of clean products, but when it came to personal care, it really was drugstore and there's nothing wrong with drugstore, but I just wasn't because there are so many great brands out there now that have evolved with the clean movement. But at the time there weren't as, as many choices. And Mm -hmm. so I wasn't as, as cognizant as to look through the ingredient list as I should have, I guess I was really paying attention to what was on my face and not on my body. I just tried looking for small, like realistic changes I could make in my life. You know, I was never a multivitamin taker. That changed. I would love to say I got more sleep. I didn't, but I I, I definitely tried to, whether it was a power nap to get that in there because sleep is such a foundational pillar of health. Eating right, I started changing a little bit. You know, I love my salt. Like I, you know, some people are sweet, some people are savory. Definitely a savory girl. But really had to look at my salt intake too. And was I just overdosing on the salt? And like I needed to scale that back down. And then I started doing some research just personally on on skin health and just was taken aback by all of these things that I had had never heard about before. The skin microbiome. Our skin is our largest organ. And I think so many people don't think about that. We think about taking care of our heart, taking care of our gut, everything internal. But the fact that we, not everyone, but I I can speak personally, that I had so often neglected the living, breathing, largest organ in my body for so long. Yeah, it, it, it made me think that maybe, just maybe, there might have been a link between that and not being able to conceive. I mean, it's all, it's a, it's, a, it's an ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. I can't just blame skin health. I mean, everything ties into the other, but you want to set yourself up for success. If that is one of the foundational pillars, which is skin health that I wasn't taking care of and I should have that, you know, I, I just wish I had known about all these things a little bit earlier. So you go down this like skincare thing, recognize that our skin is the largest organ in the body. What did you find in your research on like what the average person was putting on their body and what like just talk to me about what your learnings were during that time on like what people do with skin and what we're ignoring and something that you wish that you could tell someone like before they go on their journey of trying to get pregnant or doing anything in life, I guess, like that you learned that you wish everyone knew. I think the skin microbiome is still a topic that's might be a little bit scary to some. I think the gut microbiome now is like has definitely entered the conversation. There's so many great brands out there that have done an excellent job of bringing this into just general conversation, whether that's seed, poppy, you name it. But the skin microbiome is still scary, right? I think that during my research, the fact that one trillion microorganisms live on us, no. Live on us. Yes. And they're our first line of defense against the external world. Think of pollution, the sun, even like bad bacteria that can get into your skin. This is our first line of defense. I mean, we take such good care of our insides, but very few of us are, I don't, I want to speak for everyone, but it's, it's, it's not in public consciousness yet that there are 1 trillion microorganisms. What are microorganisms for our listener that may not know? And like, give me a refresh. Yeah. So microorganisms can be anything from good bacteria that live on your skin to fungi to these are just like little micro particles that just keep your skin barrier healthy and intact and they're protecting, right? So we need to ensure that what we're putting on our skin is balancing, doesn't compromise our skin barrier, doesn't strip all these good microorganisms that protect us off our skin. What I was finding at the time, especially in, in personal care, was that there was nothing in the ingredients to help nurture. Everything 
all the ingredients, well, at least with the brands that I was using, really aimed to either clean. It was about like, let's strip everything from your skin, which is part of the reason why I felt like my skin was constantly feeling dry dry and like parched. And I would need to slather on so much lotion on top just to get it back to neutral. Or I was just inundated with scent. I feel like we're a scent driven. There are some people that are sensitive to scent, but in general, you know, people love their scents. Especially just like behaviorally. I feel like just as long as I can remember, I can't remember, like, I can't remember ever having a body wash in my shower that didn't smell like happiness. No, you know? I know. I grew up on Bath and Body Works. I loved, I, yeah. you know, I love the scents. It like reminds me of childhood. That was really it. That I, that, that I think like the key thing that clicked was I have these living things on me that take care of me. And, but what I've been, what have I been doing all these years? And also like thinking about trying to get pregnant, you know, you, you're washing your entire body and it's just like, there are orifices and it's just like things, it, they, they somehow, they can get into your system, right? So what are we really putting in our bodies? And the fact that your skin microbiome, it's not just superficial. There is research out there that has showed that it can communicate with your immune system. And even more recently in the research that I've done, there have been studies that have shown a potential association and link to broader risks like autoimmune disease, heart health, increased allergy rates. So Skin health is something that I think is definitely something that we should be talking about more, just in the same way we talk about gut health, nutrition, exercise. And it's it's really part of our mission to bring skin health awareness and skin health conversation into the mix. Do you find that there's like resistance in learning about skin microbiome or it's just not talked about? I think there's both, right? I think, you know, we launched this company in New York and I I consider New York a very cosmopolitan place when it comes to just awareness, uh, like at the forefront of beauty innovation and people who are more receptive to maybe engaging in conversation about the skin microbiome. When I tell you that I go to a party with friends, you know, at say like nine out of 10 people, I bring up the skin microbiome. I just get blank faces. No idea. I bring up the gut microbiome. I mean, I too am a seed fan. It's the first thing I take every morning. And then I move on to my iota. Use code active guys. (laughs) Yeah. But there's, again, there's like, all right, like, you know, seed, I know, like poppy, you know, there, there are key players in the mix and people understand that. But the skin microbiome is just like crickets, crickets, crickets. So I think as a company, it's it's our job to not only educate, but also make it conversational, make it fun and make it interesting and talk about it in a way that's not scary because it can be scary. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people maybe really want to know that they have a trillion microorganisms living on them. Okay, so why don't we talk about what is in these products and maybe like, we don't have to say another product that's out there on the market, but generally, I guess, like what's the difference between this and what's offered versus what is like the general? For the first body care line, really focused it on targeting your skin microbiome and balancing it. I think the microbiome is is slowly becoming a buzzy term. And so there are a lot of great brands out there that are including it in their product lineup. But we are the first ones that from the ground up, that has been our sole focus. It is the core of every single product that we put out and it will continue to be. You know, I spent a few years with our lab team and our lead scientific advisor who has a lot of experience in the skin microbiome. Um, she's helped companies develop formulas, and this is really her area of expertise, hone in on which 
prebiotic and which postbiotic we we wanted to use in this formulation that would play well with all of the other multivitamins, multiminerals, and actives that we were layering on top. It was like a fine dance. I, I think I told you this before, but with our body wash alone, and when I say this, it just sounds ridiculous to me that we did this for a body wash, but it took 72 iterations to perfect, right? Because then you're, we're adding fragrance in the mix. I mean, we do have a fragrance-free option, but that could throw the ingredients off balance too. So making sure that we were EU compliant, our fragrances were clean. It took 72 years and, and a couple of 72 years. years. Uh, 72 years. What felt My like gosh, 72 years. What did feel like 72 years. 72 iterations is wild. Yeah. I would love for you to explain, because I feel like, I mean, right now in the beauty space, like actives are like the, all the rage. I feel like even like cool celebrity brands, like they're talking about the niacinamides and like all these things that I'm not even going to pretend that I know what any of that means. But can you walk us through when you explain to me kind of like the cake of how you formulated these with the pre and postbiotics being the foundation and how all the other ones come to play? Yeah, of course. So our method is unique. Going back to talking about the core of every single formulation, which is our pre and postbiotic blend. I like it to a cake or I've also used the painting analogy, right? If you want to create a painting, you don't start with like a muddied up piece of paper that's already been painted on. You start with a clean slate and then you layer on the good stuff because that is how your painting really shines, right? So we, our clean slate, quote unquote, is a balanced microbiome. So that's what our pre and postbiotics do. They set the stage so that all of the actives and vitamins and minerals that you're layering on top, it could be like your second layer of cake, just do their job better. If your painting is already muddied up, how can anything else you put on it do anything or do your work justice? Mm-hmm. So that is the analogy I like to make for our products is that they're very complementary. It's two-step. You first want to balance your microbiome. And that just enhances everything else you're putting in, whether your aim is to glow more, whether it's smoothness, hydration, the pre and postbiotic foundation helps optimize that. Do you think that we should be washing our bodies every day? Like how with our hair, you know, it's like, oh, you have like your wash day, like you actually use shampoo and conditioner, but it's like... My take is my take is based on your preference. I mean, I think that there's so many different camps of belief on this. I think you just need to really pay attention to the ingredients you're using. If you are going to wash every day, make sure you read that ingredient list and know what you're putting on your body. I know. It's just like something fascinating. It's, like I've heard people be like, yeah, it's actually not good for your skin to wash your your skin every single day. Yeah. But it's like, I can't imagine not showering and not washing exactly. my skin every single day. Like I, mean, I just couldn't. And I also like haven't heard anything that makes the case enough for me to, to be like, oh, it's like it. really bad for me to wash my skin. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was just curious if you've A, heard of that yeah. and B, what your thoughts are on that. I have. I mean, it's it's a hard question for me to answer because, again, like it's hard for me. Everyone, no matter what I say, is going to have their own personal preference. So I right. think it, whatever your choice is, just do your homework yeah. and just know that the skin on our body is our largest organ and take care of it. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Seed, which as you guys know, is my literal favorite pre and probiotic, and it could not be more relevant to the conversation that we're having with Monique on the show today. And the current season that we're in, honestly, we're in fall winter, which is my favorite time of the year. And at the same time, it's time of year that we need to be on top of our immune systems. Like this is the time to really take care of ourselves. 
So the gut and the immune system actually work together to come up with our body's best response to the world around us. And that internal communication is called the gut immune axis, which actually I recently just learned about. But it's what helps our body distinguish the difference between something that is like a harmless substance and something that our body doesn't recognize as its own. So like the flu, for example. That's why it's so incredibly important to really support your microbiome definitely all year. Like truly, this is not a just now thing, but an all year thing. It's just that especially in the colder months, we're all more susceptible to getting sick. So it's really, really important. As you know, I take Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic literally all year round. It is the best and I swear by it. I use it to set myself up for a strong foundation for my mind and my immune system and just my overall gut health. So I could not recommend this brand enough. And again, these months are really, really important. Seed is giving all active ingredient listeners 15% off your first order with code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E, that you can use at checkout. And that was for 15% off. It's code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E. If you do check it out, let me know. I have connected with so many of you guys on what it's been like using Seed. Some of you had already been using it. Some of you have just recently started trying it. So I really do love this product and um, I swear by them. And I do think that like on top of just, you know, taking a probiotic to set our immune systems up for success, I think it's also just worth noting that during these months, you know, make sure that you're getting, and I'm not a doctor, but make sure that you're getting a good amount of sleep that you're drinking tons of liquids, nourishing yourself and taking a probiotic and seed is, in my opinion, the absolute best one to set yourself up for success during these colder months. So I'm just going to say the code one more time, active A-C-T-I-V-E. If you want 15% off your order, let me know. Thank you seed for sponsoring the show. Okay. I want to talk about like, just like the pre, pro, and postbiotic of it all, because yes. I think that like you've even talked about a few brands. My audience has definitely heard me talk about probiotics. Even when I do my seed reads, I always try to make it really clear that like in order for a probiotic to actually function within your system, mm-hmm. it has to survive your digestive tract. Like it has to go all the way through. Otherwise, you're just putting in something in your body that is not actually like doing what you think it's doing for you. It's just like you're throwing in a pill in there for no reason. So that's for probiotics. And there's so many brands that are coming out the gate that are saying probiotic sheets, probiotic chocolate, probiotic this. And it's like actually in order for probiotic to survive, it actually needs to be refrigerated the way that it's the the way that it's packaged in a dark thing is what will help it survive. All of those different things matter. So I think that there are a lot of brands that are using that term as a marketing term to seem quote unquote healthy, but is confusing a lot of us on like yes. what is actually a probiotic. And you've always been really clear that iota is not a probiotic. It has pre and postbiotics. Yes. So can you explain the difference? Yes. So I think that they're adding to the confusion of what the skin microbiome is and why it matters. I think that the terminology is very confusing. With a lot of brands, one of the reasons that they gravitate towards using the word probiotics, even though it may not be a probiotic, because why would you refrigerate, you know, you're not refrigerating this body wash and then it's not a probiotic, it's actually a postbiotic. But they're doing that, I think, mainly because it's just understandable and digestible, right, for the average consumer. And 
you throw in a term like postbiotic and you're like, what is that? I've never heard of that. We are just very committed again to like education and making sure that the information we're putting out there is accurate. The World Health Organization defines probiotics as live microorganisms, which there are none of. Because otherwise I would be asking you guys to refrigerate our body wash and body serum. So prebiotics are the food that feed the good bacteria on your skin so that they thrive and multiply and just are in in balance. And then they're happy with you. (laughs) Yes. Calm and happy skin. That's what Mm -hmm. we all want. And then we have our postbiotics, which are cell fragments of when a probiotic, which is a live microorganism, digests a prebiotic. But there is research behind that that shows that it can mimic the effects of a live probiotic. So that's what we use. And that is lactobacillus ferment lysate. Together, they form our pre and postbiotic blend to balance your microbiome. Okay, so you just launched. It it has been (laughs) the coolest thing to witness. Like, I feel like even like the days leading up to it, like just the amount of people that are rallying for you is so freaking cool to see. And I know that you got super emotional on like the day of launch. No, but it's like truly to me a testament of how you cultivate those relationships. You are clearly someone who like, you don't say things that are not true and factual, like even like in the the pre and postbiotic. And I think that your reputation precedes you, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you're committed to the truth and you're committed to like high quality things. And it clearly showed on your launch week, like the, just you guys, like the amount of people that rallied for her, influencers, editors, friends, like people from her past jobs. And like, to me, I was like, this is how you do it. It's very, very kind of you to say. And I'm, I'm like tearing up because it just brings me back to that day. And I still get emotional thinking about it. (laughs) You should, honestly, because it's like a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a testament to you. And the 72 freaking iterations and the years <laughs> of editorial and the doing oh, the gosh. research yeah. and all of that. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been years in the making. It's been, you know, just my husband and I and our lab team and our lead scientific advisor and the trenches just like cranking out multiple late nights. I mean, still, it's like, what is sleep? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but having, we call Iota our second baby come to life and and just be in existence was a very emotional thing to see. And I just have had wonderful, I've been fortunate enough to have just wonderful people in my life from all facets. I mean, from, from growing up in the Philippines to my first few years working in the city and then all of the other places that I've consulted for and worked at being really supportive. It, it, it was very touching. So I know it's only been a week, but like I do have some listeners who like are entrepreneurial or like thinking of starting something or whatever. What has been a learning that you're like, okay, we did this right. I've been really fascinated by how you've launched and like it's 2022. So it's a different strategy. Like TikTok is obviously like a big thing for you guys. Yeah. I'm just curious, like what you would tell someone who's thinking about starting something that you're like already seeing like, okay, this type of thing is something that I would double down on. I think that regardless of what industry you're deciding to enter, my husband and I joke every single day when we get, we wake up, we're like, all right, hundred new, hundred new skincare brands, like beauty brands that have entered the space. It's overwhelming and can be disheartening. But I think that if you have something to add to the conversation, that's different. 
that you think is different. And I think if you're a brand that is trying to go beyond just the product, and in this case, really, again, our mission and our purpose is to bring skin health awareness into the conversation in a way that no one speaks about it today. I think start with those two things. Like, what do I have to add to the conversation, no matter what industry I'm in? And can what I'm adding to the conversation be be something more than just product? Whether that means fostering community, representing people, I'm just talking about skin right now, but like who have super sensitive skin that just want to be talked to you in a different way or maybe talked about their condition in, in, in just a different way or bringing it to light in a different way. Like, what do you have? What's your value add? So you've consulted for some massive brands. I am curious now that you're on the other side of the seat and, you know, like you've definitely been brand building for a long time. What has been something that has like shocked you that like even from like a consulting standpoint, now you're seeing it differently being on this side as founder? I think just how it all comes together, to be honest. Most of my experience is, you know, of course, with an editorial, but then I, a lot of the storytelling and the marketing and the digital I've seen, but this is my first time having to source manufacturers, like working with a lot of key, key partners in a way that I've never done before, distribution. I'm learning, I'm taking it day by day. And so totally. that's been a challenge, but also exciting. And working with my husband too, just having a partner there that you trust with your life. And he's the best. Yeah. He's the best. I, you know, it's so funny when I started, I was, I, I always said that I'm going to be the creative person and you're going to take care of the finances. That's how it's going to be split half and half. But honestly, you know, we've been married for like nine years now. I knew he had a creative side, but like, honestly, I've been blown away with how I am blown away. I, just, in another, I mean, this is his other life. Like he gets to do what another thing he's actually amazing at. And it's guys it's go nice. look at Iota's Instagram. I want you to know that Ray Monique's husband literally runs point on social Right? Like, I mean, he's, yeah, he, he does. He creates all our videos. He creates all those videos. They are insanely cool. Yeah. It's not like anything I've ever seen. I hope Ray knows that, like, literally <laughs> massive brands would pay him big bucks to run no, social for them. I know. I know. Ray's cool. It's like, Ray's tiring. cool and so creative and amazing. What is one thing that you have had to unlearn, to relearn, to step into this position in your life? It's a good question. What have I had to unlearn? Well, I think what I've had to unlearn is just that the beauty landscape is constantly changing. What works for one brand is not going to necessarily work for yours. And yeah, I've consulted and I've, I've worked on helping build brands for a variety of different companies, at like various stages of growth, whether it was a startup or fully established brand for decades, like big CPG brands, but it's not cookie cutter. And you have to find your own path and your own voice and you know, a lot of things that I was used to perhaps working in, in, in one way for a company, whether it was beginning stages or, or just starting out, just having to be super flexible about everything and knowing that we are going to find our own way. We are going to find our community already. We're, we're fostering a great skin health community in the one week that we've launched, but every single brand is unique. And then what about on a personal, on a personal level? And I, I ask this because I feel like Stepping into founder role is a very big leap. And obviously you've stepped into big roles in your life before. Stepped into the role of mom, stepped into the role of leader with consulting. Now stepping into a role of founder of this company. 
has there been a mindset shift or something that you've had to like get into that mindset to be able to get it to be out there in the world? I would say on the spectrum of introverted and extroverted, I'm a little bit more extroverted, but like I'm not always like I don't I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to seek the limelight, but I love communicating and I love socializing. And that is where I draw a lot of strength and energy from. But one thing I've kind of had to step out of my comfort zone with is I've always sort of been a behind the scenes person, whether that was like writing or helping create a story or craft a story. But having now to be a little bit more at the forefront of things and having a community that is reaching out and, and wanting answers, whether it's like my background story or learning a little bit about my journey to skin health is something new for me. And it's a little scary, I'm not going to lie, and not like 100% comfortable with it. But I think it's important. I think it's important that people know the reason IOTA exists, how it's different, why it's different, and really the message that we want to relay. And, you know, we're not a faceless brand. There, there are people. There are human products. beings with real stories that had real struggles. I just did a whole solo episode on the importance of your story yeah. from a personal and a business perspective. And I've seen it time and time again, like the brands that really resonate are born from some sort of struggle and they're speaking to themselves a few years back. And you cannot fake that. It's definitely a testament. And I agree that from just witnessing IOTA, it's community led, but it's really your story is what's even cultivating that community in the first place. So <laughs> you're doing great for, for the first time, like actually like sharing that. It's super scary. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what's next for you guys. I feel like you're, I mean, it's literally been a week and it's already mm-hmm. been insane. I have been using IOTA now for a month and a half. This yeah. is, by the way, guys, like if you're watching, this is my replacement that I was like, hey, Moni, can you bring me an extra one? Because I'm out of brightening. Yeah. I am obsessed with the product. It's so, so good. Brightening is my favorite scent. I love the eucalyptus one too. What's it? It's detoxifying. Yeah. I like a brightening. Literally like it That's makes my me favorite so too. freaking happy. It's the serum is delicious. And yeah. I actually was never one to put like a lotion on my body after. Like I was, I just put it using iota and because I never did it because it would just like stick onto my skin for so long. And then I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I just want to go to sleep and then I have to wait for this thing yeah. to dry. Otherwise, my clean sheets are now going to be all <laughs> sticky tomorrow. And then I have to do my sheets again. And it's just this whole spiral. It doesn't happen with IOTA. It literally dries in two seconds and it's amazing. It's fabulous. I'm really excited for you guys. I can't wait to see where it goes. It's going to go really freaking far. I just know it in my gut. No pun intended. Before we close out, I always ask my guests, what is something, it can be personal, professional, Mm -hmm. whatever, something that you come alive in? Like it can be something that you do, people that you're around, whatever, but like where do you feel truly most alive? I mean, if you ask me at different stages of my life, I think my answer would be very different. But for now, right now, especially as a new founder and also you know, juggling so many other things on the side, I would say my Saturdays with my daughter, I have as major mom guilt at all times. I think especially launching a new business, I don't have necessarily as much time with her as I would love and that I, that I had in the past. So I call them like our power one or two hours before she goes to bed. Like I really, it's quality over quantity for us. But Saturdays is when I kind of 
just unplug as much as I can. I still have my phone with me, but we have our routine where I take her swimming. We go for to get her pancakes at the same diner around the corner that she loves for brunch. I take her to her skateboarding, which she's obsessed with she's right so now. Cool. She's a little alternative chick, which I love. Um, and she's so cool. You know, I get to spend the whole day with her and just not be glued to my phone, not have interruptions, whether it's a conference call that's happening when she arrives home. That to me, that that brings me alive. I love that answer. So cute. Thank you so much. This was fabulous. So Your story crazy. is so great. You guys, this product is fabulous it's one to watch for those i know that there's a lot of like people in the space that listen to this podcast it is one to watch so thank you for coming on thank you thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode you have no idea how much it means to me and i really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter more in tune and with some tools to apply to your own life Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you want to have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.